Welcome to the Bike Pack Adventures Podcast. I am your host, Chris Panaski. This podcast was created so as to share the stories of bike tours, bike packers, and endurance cyclists from around the world as they embark on amazing adventures. Through their stories, you'll be able to learn the ins and outs of bike travel. You'll get insight into various countries and cultures around the world, hear fantastic stories of their journeys. Through both mine and my guests' experiences, you'll learn about the pros and cons of specific gear, bikes, and bike setups. If you're new to bike travel and considering going on an adventure, I hope the podcast provides you with that extra little bit of motivation to make it happen. I want to thank Panorama Cycles, Redshift Sports, Restrap, Race Day Fuel, and Brockman Cyclery for supporting Bike Pack Adventures and helping to keep me on the bike. Check out the show notes for more information about these amazing companies. Thanks and keep on pedaling. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Bike Tour Adventures podcast. Uh, as I probably have mentioned previously, I am on parental leave now, uh, two weeks in. I think for the most part, I've been doing a pretty good job. I've been trying to get out on little adventures with Jasmine um, as often as possible, just about every day, whether it's a, um, I think, you know, last week we rode up to the Gatineau Park one day, jogged another day, hiked another day, uh, did a family bike ride for a couple of those days as well. Um, this week, biking up into the Gatineau Park. Uh, what else did I do? Walks. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's been busy, busy, but fun. So, uh, really cool to get to spend this time with her and, uh, very fortunate to be, uh, from Canada where we have, a a lot of parental leave that can be shared between husbands and wives. That's for sure. Uh, what else is new on my part? I'm, uh, I'm like a week into my training plan that I've purchased and it's actually really good. I'm feeling way more focused. Uh, every day I'm looking at training, uh, training peaks and I'm like, Oh, okay. This is what I got to do today. Um, occasionally I miss like the ab workout and stuff and I have to push it on to the next day, but it's usually every couple days. So I just, it's been going on. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And having a focused hour and a half bike ride with some intervals or, you know, uh, 30 to 45 minutes, uh, as far as you can go while keeping your heart rate down type thing, just kind of gives me a plan and a little bit of focus on what I need to do. And, um, it's been really good. So hoping to to be able to provide more feedback as I go through the next three months and let you guys know how that's going. Other than that, um, you know, if you do like the podcast, you can go on the website or social media pages and purchase some merch. Uh, there are hoodies, t-shirts, zip-ups, caps. Um, I've still been meaning to put on my patches, badges and or patches and stickers and stuff, but uh that's kind of gone by the wayside, but I will get it done. I just, yeah, I said that before. Um, what else? No new Patreons at the moment, but if you do like the podcast, you can subscribe or what is it, support me through Patreon, and I would really appreciate it. And there's all kinds of different uh, tiers that are, you know, for for any price range from the one dollar Nespresso per month to uh, <laughs> a ten dollar IPA beer. <laughs> That kind of thing. Um, yeah. And obviously, um, you can also check out Bike Pack Adventures. Uh, recently, um, yeah, recent. Oh, did I talk about it on the last podcast? I don't even remember now. But yeah, recently somebody was out riding the Canadian Shield 400 
I did talk about it, so never mind. Uh, check out the Bike Pack Adventures website uh, for lots of routes in the region and uh, different things. And I'm continuously improving my Canadian Shield routes. I've just made a couple more little changes because decided to add some trails in the Gatineau Park that I really enjoy. And I thought, you know what, even though it's at the end of 400, 1,000, or 1,300 kilometers, and it definitely, definitely adds on a little bit of time, not actually a whole lot. Um, I had to cut a couple things out to add that, and uh, but but it's fun, and I think whoever does it will, it'll be a great way to end an amazing ride. So do come out and ride the Canadian Shield, please. Thank you. Welcome to the Bike Tour Adventures podcast. I'm your host, Chris Panaski. This podcast was created so as to share the stories of bike tours, bike packers, and endurance cyclists from around the world as they embark on amazing adventures. Through their stories, you'll be able to learn the ins and outs of bike touring and bike packing. You'll get insight into various countries and cultures around the world, hear fantastic stories of their journeys, and through both mine and my guest experiences, you'll learn about the pros and cons of specific gear, bikes, and bike setups. If you're new to bike touring or bikepacking and considering going on an adventure, I hope the podcast provides you with that extra little bit of motivation to make it happen. If you're already an experienced bike tourer or bikepacker, I hope that my guest stories allow you to relive some of your own experiences and give you a good laugh or two along the way. In the meantime, enjoy the show and keep on pedaling. All right, just one last thing before we jump into this episode. I do have to apologize. We noticed that there were some issues with the sound quality. I thought it had something to do with my wires or I wasn't really sure. I I couldn't get rid of the sound, so I thought we'd go ahead and record it. And as a last resort, I would have the copies that are saved on Zencaster. However, in Mark and Heather's... um, audio file that sound is still there however it was much less with the recording on Zencaster rather than going through my recorder so I used that file uh, the sound might not be up to the same par and quality that I try to achieve uh, with every episode I release however um, that was the only option it was either that or call them and say let's uh, let's redo the podcast and it's really hard to re-record something I've done that once before so I do apologize, and I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Yes, sir. And here we have it. In this episode of the Bike Tour Adventures podcast, I have the chance to speak with Mark and Heather, creators and directors of the 8 Hours of Hurton and Halliburton Gravel Bike Race. I first got to know Mark a few years back when I first heard about the race. Unfortunately, at the time, I missed registration and then couldn't participate. And and then COVID came along, and everything got really hard from there. And uh, finally, three years later... I had the chance to participate and thought it was such an amazing event that it would be really cool to have him on the show and her, them, on the show to share about their passion of cycling and what their journey has been like. Mark, Heather, welcome to the Bike Tour Adventures podcast. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having us. Hi. Yeah. It's really great to have you guys here. And uh, I mean, I had met Mark a few times virtually, digitally, um, several years ago. Uh, but my first time really meeting you, Heather. So nice to, to meet you finally. Nice to meet you, yeah. And why don't you guys tell us about yourselves? Um, yeah, I guess, uh, Chris, uh, we rode together for the first time a bunch of years ago on like a Lord of the Rings themed Mount Doom like Sufferfest on <laughs> Zwift or something. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I 
started riding mountain bikes uh, quite a few years ago and did a lot of racing and that's progressed into a lot of endurance racing um, and now a lot of gravel racing, but it's all recreational and just like for fun races. And um, really that's kind of how the race started was my interest in that. But, and then uh, Heather and I also, we run local shop rides through the local bike shop. Um, I also work for a manufacturer of bike parts. So yeah, we're pretty, pretty intertwined in the cycling industry. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm a little bit less so. I have ridden for a few years, but not nearly as long as, as Mark. Um, we met about a decade ago and, and at the time I had you know, a very basic Canadian tire bike and did not see the need for anything beyond that. Um, but, you know, as we as we dated and as he convinced me that there would be more fun if we could ride different trails and things like that, I got more into cycling and um, yeah, now I have yeah mountain bike, gravel bike and we try to travel around and ride different trails and it's kind of become our, our thing. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, one thing led to another and now we run a gravel cycling race. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty awesome. And so what kind of biking do you prefer, Heather? Mark said he's a mountain biker. What's your what's your jam? Yeah, I think um, it's tricky because I really enjoy the groups that I ride with. So I feel like for me, that has a lot to do with it. And that influences how much I enjoy it. Um, I ride with like a women's only group for mountain bike. And that's just okay. It's amazing. Um, and then for gravel ride, there's just, just such a different feel and a, a great group that we ride with as well. So I think if I had to choose, I would probably pick gravel. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, I mean, they're so different, right? Like mountain biking, is, there's, a, there's a different look on your face when you ride a mountain bike and, you know, just the joy of going down trails fast and stuff. But then gravel riding is like, it's where you push your limits more and you're like, oh, I got to go faster, harder, you know, that's what yeah. I do, so. Yeah. And I feel like there's opportunity to get further as well on a gravel bike, um, just in terms of like exploring different things and in distance as well. And I think, uh, I'm fairly risk averse, so there's less likelihood I'm going to get hurt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> have you guys done any past bike touring or bikepacking or anything like that, like trips? Um, yeah, I, I've done quite a few bikepacking trips around Ontario. Um, I don't know how much, Heather, you have done, but I'm I feel trying like to- I'm a good support of that. That, that yeah. stuff we've try, done try, small. <laughs> trying to get you to come out and do some more bikepacking. Yeah. Um, yeah, we we put together the Cannonball 300 loop as well. So we've done that quite a few times. Um, oh, I didn't know that you were involved in that. Yeah, and did uh, the Colt loop, um, did the GNR. Um, yeah, like it's just it's a lot of fun exploring Ontario and just using it as a, a way to get around and, and see multiple places and, and Camp. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. I'd like to do some more uh, different province bikepacking, but I think mm-hmm. that's going to gonna come in the years. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, what bike have you used? Is, were you using gravel bikes for those uh, events? Or I don't know. But I don't even know what the Cannonball 300, I think it's. Yeah, the, the Cannonball 300 is super introductory. <laughs> it's a mix of um, like rail trail, some like light gravel and pavement. Um, it's just, it's meant for people to, to, get into it, try their gear and, and then, 
uh, progress into more advanced routes from there. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I bike pack, I, I had a Kona Rove that was Thai. Um, I used that for pretty much everything. It had like 40 C tires on it and, and most of the riding I was doing, that was good. Um, and then I've done some biking on bike packing on my single speed stash. Oh, cool. Uh, we did like an overnighter in Big Wind Park, uh, Big Wind Provincial Park. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. And, um, so what kind of bikes are you using now or is it, um, just a very, very wide range of brands or do you guys have any specifics that you prefer? Um, yeah, we have, we have a little bit of everything. Um, my gravel bike is a salsa journeyman. Um, Mm -hmm. and I bought it specifically because I thought I would getting more into gravel and it has like the, the fork with the integrated mounts on it. And, um, I have, some racks that can go on it. And we have a, a small dog that we also like to bring on our travels. So it was important to me that we could <laughs> bring her with us. Um, so that, that's my gravel bike. Um, and then you have, yeah, still I still have your Kona. Yeah. I still have my, my Rove. Um, I got a three T Exploro this year as more of like a race focus. Uh, oh, gravel nice. bike. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I'm going to get some bags made over the winter for it and just definitely do some more bike packing on that as well. Uh, and then I, uh, my single speed is a Trek stash that I have, uh, retrofitted with a belt drive instead of a chain. Oh yeah, neat. Yeah. Um, so that's why it's single speed. And so I've done some bike packing on that. And then also just since uh, our local bike shop is a Trek dealer and mm-hmm. we're Trek ambassadors, we support the brands that they carry, which is, uh, Trek and Salsa. Yeah. So, oh, okay, nice. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, what else? Do I want to ask you about that stuff? Um, <laughs> oh yeah. So how did you, oh, first off, how, how do you put a belt on, is the bike designed to be able to take a belt then? Or did you have to buy, like I saw a belt on the aftermarket that came like somewhere in Asia or something that you could screw together or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really cool belt concept. It uses, I, I've seen one with like pins. You can, that's, yeah, it was like a pins. Yeah. Um, I'd like to try that, but uh, yeah, I'm lucky that the stash is one of the few bike frames that has, provisions for a belt. So it actually has an elevated chain stay. So okay. the chain or belt doesn't actually go through the rear triangle of the bike. Oh, so that's how you can have, cause you can't, you in, in a continuous belt, you actually can't take it apart. Right. So you can't oh, exactly. Yeah. Frame. So yeah. some custom frames will have uh, like a, a coupling on one of the stays that you can remove and stuff like that. There's a yeah. couple of different ways. My, my, um, my true divider has a, spreadable seat stay um, oh yeah so it, it has allen key allen, whatever like bolts i guess and you take them out and then you can spread it a part of it and put the belt through and then close it yeah. back up do you so, think yeah. you're gonna try that um well i'm running a one by 12 right now so maybe i consider trying to put a roll off on it yeah um i mean the same company does make one with pinion but i would have had to wait nine months just to get the pinion yeah. because there was a back order you know covid mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't want to wait. Um, so I, I didn't, but yeah, I kind of kicked myself there. About, I've heard really good things about the roll-off. I was going to try it on the stash. Um, and we got their kit to assess if it would fit because it mm-hmm. doesn't work in every dropout. But unfortunately, it wasn't a good fit for that um, dropout. But uh, if you can make it work, I think that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, it could be. could be a good good, uh, good idea. Why not, right? I think it's just because also as a mountain bike, it gets a lot of the weight in the back wheel. And they mm-hmm. say that it 
you definitely notice it if you, especially if it's not like I grew up mountain biking. So I'm used to the weight, you know, how you can pop your back wheel up. And if all yeah. of a sudden you have like two and a half kilos or three kilos there and you're like, what's going yeah. on? Like it's cement yeah. block, you know? Yeah. That's a, it would definitely be something to maybe borrow someone else's first to try it. <laughs> exactly. So, um, how did you guys decide, how did things work out that, uh, the eight hours of Hurton and Halliburton came to be like, what was the, the story there? what is this yeah i feel like um just because over the years like we have always you know it'd be nice to do this it'd be nice to do that and you know all those things you always talk about in car rides and um you know maybe one day um and we had been up near halberton um because mark was racing at sir sam's Mm -hmm. and we needed a place to stay so we found halberton forest and wildlife reserve stayed there rode some of the trails there and loved it. So then we went back again and still one of those things like, Oh, wouldn't it be nice? Maybe one day. And then I came home from work one day and Mark was like, I'm going to do it. We're, we're going to do a race in September. And it was like February or March. Okay. So he didn't leave himself much time. So that would have been 2019 was our first year. And I think, I don't know, just something clicked that day. And he decided that now's the time this, this was the year. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I feel think, like that's how you have to do it. Like you can't just yeah. sit on it. You just be like, you know what? Screw it. We're doing it. You know? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For sure. And I think uh, we were realizing we were having more fun riding at Halliburton Forest than the racing nearby. Yeah. And it was kind of like, well, why do we keep going there to do that when, you know, we enjoy this place so much and we can share it with everyone else. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Yeah. And was it uh was were there any difficulties in getting permission to use the property because I, I believe it is a private forest right it, it's huge like how big is this forest like it's it's the size of uh they advertise it's the size of Barbados okay it's the size of a country yeah like yeah <laughs> I think it's is it four thousand I, I don't have it. yeah. It's, it's, it, I mean, it's huge yeah. it's massive, massive. yeah I, massive. when I saw yeah. when I saw the sign I forget what it said but with the size it was like no way like I mean, they have, you know, animal preserves and like forestry areas and sections for this and that. And I was like, what is going on in this place? This is I know they have like treetop trekking. They have a, a yeah. shooting range. They have a wolf center, um, That's right, a wolf center. The, their paddle shop. Like, it's funny because if you look on a map, because I think base camp is kind of where everybody hangs around and you either hike or bike and you come back around. But if you look yeah. at the map, you can drive for kilometers and kilometers and just get like almost to it borders on Algonquin park. Yeah. It, it's like a two hour drive to get out to Algonquin oh, park. Wow. Through okay. park. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. And it's, I know, I know Matt Katie's route, the, um, which is the one, is it the hasty Highlander that goes up in the Algonquin park and then comes so. down through Halliburton or something? I think that also like, cause it's just such great, great riding. But anyways, mm-hmm. let's jump back to how did you guys get permission? Was this something you had to negotiate? Um, what happened? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I put together a proposal and I sent it to um, the staff at Halliburton Forest and they were super welcoming and we kind of drove the course and we talked about like what race day would look like and made sure we agreed with, um, you know, how the event would, would operate. But they're super welcoming and they actually run a couple other events as well. So it wasn't anything new to them. And they've actually run some cycling events there in the past as well. So they're, a, they're an awesome venue to work with and um, they're super excited with how the, the race has evolved. Okay. And um, so tell us about that first year. What was it like, 
you know, you said February, you guys decided to do this and seven months later is race day. How, how did things go about preparing for that? How, how crazy was it? Um, I assume there was lots of fighting between you two and <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of, um, so I, I think tend to be more of like an organized methodical. I like things to be predictable. Um, so I actually think we work quite well together, especially that first year, because it yeah. was a lot of, um, you know, you would get down a certain road and then you're like, Oh shoot. Like we need porta potties. Like, right. There's going to be people who need to go to the bathroom and the washroom that's on site is maybe not sufficient or, um, right. you know, just chatting with other people. Like what did they enjoy about races and what did they not enjoy about races? And it's a lot of, um, just trying to figure it out as you go. Um, yeah. And I think we're both, um, we're, we're not, we're not, we're not bothered by challenges. So I think yeah. all, all these, um, you know, problems or, or things that needed to be solved. So whether it was insurance or permits or washrooms or whatever, you know, we just treated them as problems and we just problem solved and got them done. And it was, I think, uh, a lot of fun. Cause we actually are very like pro- process oriented. So, you mm-hmm. know, uh, making a like emergency action plan it was like, okay, you follow these steps and you make a plan. Okay. Right. Your risk assessment plan. Okay. Again, it's a plan. You just follow these steps, mm-hmm. um, putting on an event, um, and I guess yeah, a lot of those things you can just find online too, right? Like yeah, there's examples sure. and yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was, it, it was stressful. Um, we didn't know at the time that a pandemic was coming and it was going to be even more <laughs> stressful, but at the time it was really stressful. Yeah. yeah year one was okay. Like it was three months yeah. later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think a lot of stuff too, like you, have a greater appreciation for a lot of the other races that we have participated in Mm. by trying to then make our own race. It was like, Oh wow. Like there's so many little things and there's so many moving pieces that you just don't necessarily appreciate when you show up and things are organized. You're like, okay, go to registration. And then I'm off to here and put my race plate on. And you know, you don't realize all of those things that are happening behind the scenes until you do it yourself. And Yeah. But like Mark said, we just one problem at a time. And yeah, that's a good point. Cause um, I've done, I actually have not done many races in Canada. I did, I think the Canadian half Ironman in Ottawa and then your event. Um, I was abroad for many, many years. And so most of my race experiences were in Malaysia mm-hmm. and you know, this, and, and they've been very well organized in that sense too. But I have to say you guys, aid stations wise um, have destroyed any event I've ever been to with how good it was. <laughs> like it was, it was next level. I, every time I pass one, I'm like, what's going on? Like, <laughs> did you, did you stop at any? Uh, actually in the end I've stopped at all four. Yeah. Awesome. I was, I was running with some um, leakage issue from my tire, not me personally. And um, <laughs> I, just, I just keep stopping at aid stations to get them to help me pump up my tires. But you know, they had pumps. So it was like way faster to use a full size floor pump than trying to oh, use okay. a little tiny one. So <clears throat> yeah, that worked out really well. And then I got to eat all kinds of good food at the same time, but we can talk about that later. Um, what were some of the biggest challenges of getting, you know, first year event going off, off the ground? Hmm. Yeah, so this, this was our fourth event, so I got to think back a few events. Yeah, but, oh yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it, um, I think, even though we had only, I think, like 50 people or something show up for the first one, I think it was, um, 
just like the the pre-race like registration getting mm-hmm. everyone set up like that happened very quickly and i think quicker quicker than we were expecting i think it went oh, fine yeah. but uh, i remember that being um i don't know we're very quick i guess yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Seamless, like didn't really cause the issues you thought you might have huh? or slow down. I think <clears throat> there might've been like some, leg- it's funny. Cause yeah. I think at the time there was quite a few things we were like, Oh my goodness, like we, we got to yeah. figure this out. But now looking back, I, yeah. um, maybe some logistical things. Um, we didn't have everything on site the first year. Oh okay. yeah. Um, yeah. so we have been lucky to partner with uh, Halbert and Highlands brewery and mm. they've been with us since the first year. And so the first year we, tried to get everybody there we we're like do we shuttle do we have taxis like oh, yeah. you know, we don't want people drinking and driving but we want to support them so just some of those yeah more logistical things that we mm-hmm. tried to to figure out but we're very lucky that we have amazing volunteers yeah. that are our friends and family and whatever fire started during or before or after the race they were very quick to help us mm-hmm. put mm-hmm. out the fire so and like the the core squad of volunteers are, are they have they been like through there the whole time, the last four years kind of thing? Or? Yeah, yeah. Most of those volunteers you met at the aid station were from day one or, or, or event the one year. or second yep. event. Yeah, that's amazing. Yep. Yeah, I met a, quite a few of them. And, and even when I was talking to you that evening and um, Mark, that is. And um, yeah, really, really cool crowd. Good yeah. friends. You're, you're very fortunate to have those kind of people in your life because I think it's uh, it's hard to find good people who are going to be there when you need them and something like this oh, to sure. make it run run well you know they're, yeah, they're so, for sure they're so key right um before continuing on with the show i'd like to thank panorama cycles for sponsoring this podcast panorama cycles is a bicycle manufacturer in quebec canada dedicated to backcountry cyclists that prefer gravel snow and off-road trails they believe cycling is a catalyst for adventures of all sizes and that there's no need to travel across the world or to be a seasoned athlete to live epic outdoor adventures over the past year, I've been riding the Chick Shocks fat bike, the Catadan gravel bike, and the Taiga mountain bike. From everyday rides, bikepacking trips, and a multitude of races and events, these bikes have put a huge smile on my face every step of the way, while also getting me on the podium on the Wendigo Ultra fat bike race and helped me set an FKT on the Canadian Shield 400. In partnering up with the Bike Pack Adventures podcast, Panorama Cycles also wants to give back to the cycling community, particularly you, the listeners of the podcast. By using the promo code BPA10 when purchasing a new bike from PanoramaCycles.com, you'll save 10%. For more information on their environmental commitments or to check out their bikes, head to PanoramaCycles.com. Now back to the show. Yeah, and I guess COVID, the, uh, the great good old COVID, how <laughs> I mean, I was following your social media and, and then I meant to register as well and things all went to shit and um, tell us about it. How did, how how much did that change and affect your your event and your plans? So, so Heather's noticed that I've got some like gray beard hairs now, um, and I think they're all from like pl- planning an event during a pandemic. So, yeah, like e- every week you would refresh like what new capacity restriction you'd have, and you'd have to pivot and reach out to local health authority and adjust your. Uh, plan you had submitted with them um, and then your venue would ask you how many like it was just a lot of just churning of the same documentation mm-hmm. and like processes to make sure that you're in compliance to run an event during a pandemic and we had to cap our numbers like really small obviously we had to change our starting procedure so we had like small groups during the 
the starts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was well, it was a lot of work. Registration changed because you weren't allowed to be in buildings, so we had to have oh. like an outdoor kind of like you cut around the building rather than coming in. You had to be six feet apart. We had to make sure all of our volunteers, because obviously we have meetings and we gather and we do huddles and stuff. We weren't supposed to be doing that. So we had to keep everybody apart unless they were in the same household. We all shared accommodations. Typically we had to like figure that out where people vaccinated. I, I feel like it did impact almost every piece. Yeah. Some bigger than others. Yeah. Um, we're, we're glad we were able to have it. And we had yeah. a lot of really good feedback from participants too, because I think not only were people not able to ride together and race and stuff. So being able to put on a smaller event, it yeah. did allow them to mentally uh, feel like things were normal. And we actually had a lot of feedback about uh, participants appreciation that we did go that extra mile, even though the event was quite small, just to put it on in that way, you know, they could, uh, compete safely amongst each other. Ah, okay. Yeah. What were the numbers for the 2020? What were your limits? We couldn't have more than a hundred yeah. for that year. Um, and it's funny too, the way that they do it because it's capacity, but because you're outside, it's based on square footage divided by, by six feet in a square. Divided by <laughs> the size of Barbados. Right, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so we got 27 kilometers and, uh, <laughs> yeah. And did you guys have to have staggered starts or something so that it was yes. more spread yeah. out? Yeah, yeah, we had staggered starts, so it was like multiple waves um, of I think ten or something. I can't yeah. remember what it was. Okay. Yeah, but then the next year, like twenty twenty one, a lot of the same protocols still in place, but the capacity was a lot bigger. I think we could do two hundred. Yeah. Well, last year is when they started using that like formula of the area to mm-hmm. calculate it, and that kind of was really confusing because, like you mentioned, you know, twenty seven kilometer loop, we could probably have a million people or something, right? But so we just at least used, every single person in Barbados. Yeah. <laughs> so so we used uh, the pit area as our calculation, and we were still like within. I think we could have like over two hundred people, and we're like, well, mm-hmm. we don't feel comfortable having over two hundred people, so we capped it at like. 150 or something like that so yeah okay one second yeah so um it's really interesting that you guys decided to cap that at a slightly smaller number i guess but just for everybody's peace of mind as well Mm -hmm. um and do you feel like the i mean the event has grown how how many people showed up this year for 2022 we had uh i think the final numbers were 230 uh we had uh, 280 sign up. So we actually had quite a few, um, we actually had messages of people and getting sick or having conflicts, et cetera. But I think that's always going to happen in any sort of yeah. event. You'll have people that don't show up, but yeah, so that was really cool. So we had, uh, yeah, 230 and, um, you know, it's almost, almost double or a little less than double each year, but it's, mm-hmm. it's growing quite a bit. Yeah, I felt like there's probably 400 people there, but there's a lot of volunteers and a lot of family, friends. Like I had, you know, wife, sister-in-law, dog, baby. Mm-hmm. I brought the whole crew. So, <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah, so what was I going to ask? I don't even remember now, but. Um, We're trying to grow the event also a little bit in uh, outside of the race, but in a more com- community aspect as well. So we invited yeah. a lot of vendors and local um businesses to attend so that way we're trying to outside of the race also have something to do for the 
pit crew members, the volunteers, mm-hmm. like just a way to, you know, build more community around the event. Yeah. So we're hoping to keep growing that as well in future years. Yeah, it's cool. And what do you see then? Do you have a, is there a kind of number where you say, okay, we can't go past this moving forward into the future? Is there like, is there a max number? I mean, there's gotta be something, right? <laughs> We've talked about it because we're like, okay, you have to figure everybody's going to bring a car and then, you know, mm-hmm. there's capacity in terms of accommodations and things like that. But like Mark said, Halliburton Forest runs other races. So they have a running race that typically is the week before or the weekend before our race. And I think they have like 500 participants. Oh, wow. Okay. So I don't know. I don't know. If Mark there's room there, right? But... Yeah, it's, it's something <laughs> we're, we're talking about a lot because we want to make sure we keep offering an event that has the same level of enjoyment as all the others. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously we want to keep growing it to keep building this community um, as well. So it, without saying a specific number, it, it will, we'll probably open it up to more people um, yeah. next year, but I, I don't, I can't imagine something like 500, like the running race, but we yeah, will- I think especially just, you know, different than a running race is bicycles go quite a bit faster and mm-hmm. you're just going to crowd the road. There, there's going to come a point where even 27 kilometers pockets of areas will be crowded and mm-hmm. it'll be just hard to, to manage safely, especially for somebody who's, you know, Adam Hill trying to go for nine laps or something, you know? So, <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Oh, for sure. You'd be like, what happened? It's like a pack of wildebeest. I got to try to squeeze through, you know? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh, yeah. I mean, it can't be any different than, uh, racing on single track and trying to pass people too. I yeah, guess. that's true. Yeah. Part of racing, but yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, there'll be a, a point where, uh, you know, people won't have as much fun when it's too bit too big. So mm-hmm. I think we're just going to always try and manage that. Yeah. Yeah. So if you do happen to hit that point, you see it and you go, Oh, okay. This year was a little bit too much. Maybe next year we lower that cap a bit or something. Yeah. Yeah. And to make sure that everybody else that comes also enjoys it. Right. Like if there's spouses or kids or mm-hmm. partners or whoever else that, that come yeah. and we want to make sure that there's room for them too, and mm-hmm. that they feel comfortable mm-hmm. and it's inclusive. So um, yeah, it's definitely something that we had to factor into the numbers for this mm-hmm. year, because in previous years, because of COVID, we asked people to pretty much like just come with you and one support person if you can. But then this year we were like, bring everybody <laughs> yeah it was super fun it was it was great um and like even while i was out riding my wife and her sister and the baby and stuff they were taking walks in the woods and checking out the area and you know having a good old time um so let's talk about this event because this was this year was the year i was there but um tell us a bit more about it in terms of the route the difficulty aid stations all those kind of fun little things so people who listen might be like "Ooh, i'm going next year you want me to take that one? So the course is a 27 kilometer loop. It's all gravel. Uh, every year the gravel changes a little bit. Um, some years it's a lot more rocky and loose and some years it's fast and, and, and um, just very fast. So this year was one of those fast years, but um, yeah, it's very flowing. So, you know, despite that there's 300 meters of climbing each lap, a lot of the hills are rollers, so as long as you can carry your momentum into the climbs, it's actually a, a ton of fun. There's, you know, a couple climbs that really are just just grunts. <laughs> Sap um, your soul, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, so each lap, you come back through the base camp where there's a pit area, so you can, you know, put your feet up and relax and take a breather, or you can just blow on through. 
We have four A stations along the course that have a variety of fun things to keep you entertained for eight hours. Um, and then the cool part about this race is that everyone starts together and they complete mm -hmm. as many laps as you know they would like or their legs can handle or what their goal is for the year. And then come the end of the race, everyone actually finishes at the same time too, or mm -hmm. plus or minus, you know, 20, 30 minutes or something. So that way everyone can celebrate, you know, a really difficult day together at the end of the race. Yeah, it was it was a really really cool concept. I I actually have to say I really enjoyed it. It was the first time I've done. It's almost like a criterium event because it was a, a lap and you do as many as you can in X number of time. And it was kind of it was really awesome. Yeah, um, difficulty. I guess like you said, it changes every year. This year it felt like it was. Um, not too hot and not too cold, not too wet. It was kind of perfect terrain, perfect weather. Um, I don't think that happens every year for sure. <laughs> you were really lucky because it was yeah. actually supposed to rain all weekend. And it rained a little bit on Friday morning and then it waited for the race to be finished. And then it rained Sunday. So it yeah. was, we got really lucky with the weather. Yeah, you guys were out packing up in the rain. That that looked terrible. <laughs> yeah, but that's okay. We yeah. we can pack up in the rain if yeah, we're still working on <laughs> Yeah, same with me. <laughs> um, so, what were the what are some of the different categories you have for the race? Because I know you had teams and solo and um, in various categories. You want to expand on that a bit? Yeah. So we have um, solo and duo. Um, the very first year we had trio. Um, we did, yeah. But now, yeah, it's just solo and duo. So you either do it by yourself or with a partner. Um, we have solo male, solo female, and solo non-binary. And then same for uh, the duos as well. Solo female, solo male, and then mixed. Should be, just be more than one gender in the mixed category. Um, and then, you know, there's always talk about what other categories could we add? We have our single speed category. That's the one I forgot. Oh, um, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, so single speed, which is always interesting because it's hard to imagine doing that course again and again and again with one gear. Um, so we have that one, and then we've talked about a uh, potential fat bike. Yeah, I heard about that. I heard the, the word was on the wire this year. People yeah, you know, yeah. if you can do that course with a five-inch tire, it's, it's probably deserving of its own category. Um, we've talked about maybe doing a kid's race. So oh, that would be neat. A, yeah. a kid's category. Obviously, we wouldn't send them out on the – 27 kilometer loop and you know see you in a few hours billy but uh we would do something smaller to include them as well that'd be neat yeah there was a uh, someone who suggested i think it'd be kind of fun um a tandem category oh that'd be I neat yeah i don't know how many tandem gravel bikes are out there but <laughs> i mean we can start a new thing if we can find them yeah. we'll find all the tandem gravel bikers i will find one I just don't know who my partner would be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Would you be the captain or the stoker? I don't like to... Well, it depends. Um, I don't know. Yeah, no. I don't know. Probably stoker. But <clears throat> um, yeah, so how... Um, kind of lost on my words here, but um, after race categories, talk. Uh, maybe just talk about like the outcomes. We mentioned Adam Hill. Uh, how have things progressed? And I, I've... I did see like, you know, the maximum number of laps every year has kind of up and down. Mm -hmm. And um, why don't you touch on that? Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. So this year was um, a year of firsts for sure. So we, 
uh, Adam Hill and uh, a duo team, uh, Garnett and Jeff, actually, I'm going to use quotations, broke the race this year. <laughs> so we've never had uh, nine laps of the course. Um, all of our like awards and everything were for eight laps. And so the fact that they completed nine laps, um, had to like make a whole bunch of stuff after the race and like mail it to them just so like I could honor their effort. But uh, so that was cool that set a new record for that. Uh, Julie set a new, uh, Julie Tool set a new record for the women's solo as well. Um, the course is running like really fast. And I think each year too, um, you know, the people who really want to compete are coming back every year mm -hmm. to really push themselves mm -hmm. as well. So I think that's really neat to see. Mm -hmm. Um, we had a, a new record set for our non new nine non binary category, so six laps by Rye. So that was neat as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I met them. Super cool. Yeah, mm. I think it's just really neat too because even though we we're breaking all these records, we've talked to a lot of people who have come in previous years. And you know, I was talking to somebody that said, you know, a couple of years ago I came and I I did four laps, but I wasn't sure if I could do five. So then they came again and they did five, and then this year they did six. And so it's neat to see people pushing their own boundaries yeah. as well in terms of what they're able to do, because maybe you can't do nine, but yeah. like six laps is a lot. Mm -hmm. That's that a, a long lot. time to That's be That's what I did. Bike. And it was, it was, I, I thought for sure, well, if I would have been in the shape I was in last year, <laughs> first of all, I, I think I probably could have got for sure seven, maybe even eight, but like this year we had a baby and everything kind of went sideways and. I did not get as much riding in. And so I was, I was pretty happy to get six. Um, it was tough, you know, by. That's a huge talk, accomplishment. To talk about my own event. Uh, laps one, two, and three were really good. And then four just crushed me. And I was riding and I'm like, why am I so slow? I didn't realize as well. My tire was a little bit low on air. So mm -hmm. I was probably just suffering myself. And um, yeah, it took me like an hour 20. And then by the time I finished the fourth one, I was like, there's no way I'll get seven unless I can really really crushed three hard laps and i thought you know what? i'm going to slow it down and just try to enjoy it like you said stop at the stations have conversations and just make the most of it so yeah that's the yeah. beauty of uh of an endurance event like that is you have to plan your extra your fitness or your energy uh mm -hmm. for the whole duration of the event because you know there's mm -hmm. a lot of people who started really hard <clears throat> and actually uh pulled out of the race just because they were, you know, they, they weren't able to pace themselves. And I think that's just like a really fun challenge or aspect of the event yeah. just to learn how you can pace yourself or take a break or mm -hmm. use those aid stations just to help you get to the mm -hmm. end. Yeah. And it feels a lot like a, like a bikepacking race in that sense too, because to me, you know, you see a lot of people DNF an event like that because they just say, Oh, I'm not hitting the goal I was expecting or mm -hmm. so-and-so so far ahead of me. Or whatnot, you know, and and I think to some degree in this event, you have some people that they're happy to get out there and they're, you know, they're thrilled they rode four or five laps, like you said, and other people are like, that's not what I was aiming for, and they just stop, you know, yeah. or have a medical thing, like a, a you know, buddy of mine, he he had a, he said he had an upset stomach all night before the event, and he did four laps, but he's like, I started taking in some food for calories and all of a sudden my stomach was like churning and he's like, I can't mm. keep going. I just have yeah. to stop, you know? So yeah, um, just that happens, I guess. Sometimes your body doesn't accept what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's um, all part of it. Yeah. But it was really, really neat. Uh, and, and just the, the ability to have conversations with people too, because you're riding at a, a good pace, but it's still a pace where if you're not going for nine laps, you could probably have conversations and 
talk to people and you know, make how did a, you find the climbing Chris on your race? Um, it wasn't too bad. I mean, a little heavier than I wanted to be this year. Um, so still tough. I'm not a, I'm not a great climber as it is at the best of times, but, um, you know, the earlier laps I find harder when my, when my brain is still communicating with my legs and stuff. But as you get, as I find with any endurance stuff I've done, once my legs are officially tired, then all of a sudden I find the climbs easier. Like I just find that I, I change my body a bit and I, I push harder and, maybe just trying to get them done earlier and faster. And, but yeah. I noticed from the pictures, um, you use a, an arrow bar, right? Yeah, I do. I do use arrow so, bars. Yeah. And there's a, I saw a couple out there. Uh, do you think that's something you actually use during the event given how there's very minimal, like flat areas? Um, yeah, for a lot of, a lot of the downhills, I'm on the arrow bars. I'm just super comfortable. I I'll come off them as I get towards the curves, just, you know, in case I need to touch the brakes or whatever. Um, and I use them on small climbs. Like I just don't get off them. I, I personally use arrow bars a lot, whether that's good or bad. I don't know. Um, I probably use them 60 to 70% of the riding time. Yeah. But I had some people that are like, I can't believe you're on arrow bars. Like you're, you're insane. It's, this is gravel. Like it's not paved. And I'm like, well, this is great. Like I go in the Gatineau park down like double track down hills and I ride my arrow bars just to see how it is, you know, like, so I'm like, this is okay. <laughs> it's not so bad, but yeah, I, I enjoy arrow bars just to switch up my position. And I have the dual position seat post. So it also, um, it allows me to pop the seat a bit forward, which is more like a time trial bike position. And it kind of just alleviates some of the muscle usage and just switches things around. So I think you're mm-hmm engaging your hamstrings instead of your quads or vice versa. I don't know. I'm yeah. I mean, it's super smart for endurance racing because yeah, if there's something that's nagging you like a, a muscle mm-hmm. issue or, or something that's going to eat away at you and you're going to want to like, you know, pull yourself. So anything like that where you can just keep like everything running smoothly, I think is a huge advantage. Yeah. yeah. And I did bring a suspension seat post too, but I got out for about 12 K the night before. And I thought, no, this is pretty good. This is like nice gravel. I'm going to go with the, uh, the two positions he posts just to, to give me my, uh, give myself those options when I'm riding and mm-hmm. not worrying so much as the, about the bumps. Cause it was a pretty, I'd say overall, like fairly smooth gravel. Were you able to clear the big climb halfway through the course each lap or? Oh yeah. I never walked. Um, yeah, but awesome. that was a, that's a tough climb. So especially as you, you kind of have, there's two or three false summits on it and you think you're hitting the top and then all of a sudden just around the curve, there's another climb and it just doesn't end. So yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's got the, the nickname, the heartbreak hill. Cause I think those <laughs> false, uh, false flats or false summits definitely play with your head. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so moving on to, um, other things, what do you guys, do you have any plans in the future for things outside of Hurton and Halliburton, any other events you're thinking of or, Anything you want to share? I don't know what, uh, what's. Yeah, I think like, it's always something now that we've done it for a few years, um, get the question a lot more now than we did in the first couple of years while we were trying to figure everything out. Nobody asked us if we were going to run <laughs> another race. Um, but yeah, now we, we get that question a little bit more. And I think it's funny because, um, you know, it almost starts as soon as you are done the event, you're in the truck, you're driving home. We're like, okay, we've got a notepad out and like, 
what else do we want to do? Where do we want to do it? What do we want to change for next year for Halliburton? What went well? Like it just starts. Yeah. Cause you, know, you don't have to, like, and it, things are fresh too. So you're yeah. right away. You're thinking about the good, the bad, the ugly and, oh. and, um, and what else, right? Whether, what other fun places you could take people. So, yeah. And I think we're trying to balance, like, I think we really, really enjoy it. Like for me personally, I enjoy it much more than I initially thought that I would. Um, and, Mark has been kind enough to give me more of a role each year. Um, what do you mean? You basically <laughs> ran it this year. Well, I saw you, but you still don't have a really cool vest. Don't I have don't that. have a cool oh, vest. Yeah, we'll, I know. We'll have to get Maxie. To I make, know. Make we got to nice get uh, Mark's buddy Max um, from Mad Max Works. He he makes those. So oh, I'll cool. have to get him to make me one. But uh, yeah, you definitely need one. That makes you yeah. official. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but we both have full time jobs. So we're trying to balance like, you know, could we do something in the spring? Mm -hmm. Um, when does our schedule allow to do more planning? But, um, yeah. And I think, um, we probably wouldn't just do something for the sake of doing it. Like we're, we're, we want to make sure whatever we're offering is really focused on, you know, trying to grow that community and offer Mm -hmm. like something that's really enjoyable and a great experience versus, uh, uh, quantity over quality or, Quality. We want over. we we want to offer quality over <laughs> Yeah, it's completely yes. the opposite way around. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so. I think, um, in general, there's lots of opportunity for people who want to go fast, who want to race, who want to be super competitive. <clears throat> and I think that's something that we often talk about: is how do we make it so that it's inclusive, and we can make it yeah. inviting, and we can make it so that like no matter what you ride, where you're from, you do feel welcome, and we've embraced that aspect of it. Um, and certainly there's always going to be people who are competitive. So we appreciate that as well. But I think in terms of another event, I agree with Mark. Like we want to make sure it follows that guideline of what's inclusive, what's going to bring more people yeah. into cycling and how do we invite them in? Yeah, sweet. I think that's a, that's a very, very good point. And I feel like once you've, you know, like you said, this is your fourth time through this event. So Although all the administrative things, you know, you, you're kind of got it figured out and you've, it's, it's done and you know, like, you know, all your action plans and stuff. But when you start thinking about a second event, it's, it's a lot of work because then you have to put all that into to action, right? So it's everything has yeah. to be actually done and it's all, um, you know, rubber boots and hitting the ground, like what is pounding pavement and telephone exactly. calls and all that stuff, right? So Yeah. And do you do something that's like exactly the same, but a different season? Do you do something that's like completely different and like we just turn it one like yeah I we always are talking about what kind of the things we would like to do so well having done your event I could see myself probably doing a few more gravel events over the next year or two because um that's awesome I did a lot of triathlon before I did a lot of like century rides with um you know where there's like five thousand people in an event in Malaysia um but and then now bikepacking a lot but. That was, a, it was really fun just to get out, push yourself for, you know, eight hours or, um, I think there's like big red gravel run. There's all kinds of different events around mm-hmm. Quebec too, that, um, that, you know, maybe take five, six hours and you just get out there and push your body. And, and I think that's, it was really good. It was, it was, a. Uh, <clears throat> It brought me back to like when I was in my early thirties and I was in really good shape and it kind of, you know, makes you want to get there again. So it's, it kind of awesome. the right motivating Very factor. Cool. So thank you guys. Well, sounds like we did our job. So. <laughs> you did. You did. Um, and I, I look forward to you opening up the registration for next year. When is that happening? By the way, is there a date on that or 
Um, yeah, we're just working with Halliburton Forest just to, you know, go through how this one went and talk about next year. But I expect like in November, uh, we'll open up registration again. Um, and, you know, we always enjoy opening up early. So that way, you know, as the year goes and we take on sponsors and uh, we grow the event, we can kind of share that with everyone and yeah. everyone kind of builds the event together. It's been a lot of fun um, doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. Um I look forward to it. I definitely do. And we're probably looking around the same thing, right? Mid-September, kind of end of season. Yeah, event. yeah. there's a good chance it'll be the, the same weekend. Um, we just got to confirm that with Halliburton Forest. But mm-hmm. uh, it's it's definitely an awesome time of year. Mm-hmm. Cool. And I saw, uh, Mark, that you're doing an Eversting sometime very soon. Is that – or did you already do it? I am. No, I got I got the mug here, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's not this weekend, but next weekend okay. um, on Saturday, the October 15th. Yes, we climb a road in Hamilton uh, 88 times to reach the elevation of Everest. Uh, I tried it solo a couple years ago, and I think I think I could have completed it, but it would have taken me probably more than like 24 hours or something. Like I've been like crazy long. Um, so, anyways, this year I brought back up, and we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna do it as a team of two. So not me. Yeah. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, no. <laughs> I mean. So how does the two work? So between the two of you, you have to do an Everest. Is that the idea? Uh, we're gonna so we both do a half half an Everest. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's a little bit more manageable. It's only you know uh, four <laughs> forty four hundred meters of uh, elevation. No, no problem. That's it. No problem. Yeah. Oh, it looks cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah so uh, it's I a good time. It's like ah, oh, too bad I don't live close enough to there. <laughs> it's a good time to download all of your podcasts. And uh, I'll, I'll binge listen to as many as I yeah. can during that kind of thing. Because, again, it's just repeats of the same road. So yeah. you definitely have to find other ways to stimulate yourself because yeah. you'll memorize like yeah. every crack on the climb. Yeah. 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 Awesome, guys. Well, I have no other questions. Um, I just want to say I did enjoy your event. And uh, it was really cool to, to meet all the volunteers and um, even some of the – the sponsors of the events, like um, the biking lawyer, you know, I've been chatting with him and we're hoping to get him on the podcast too, at some point to talk about, you know, cycling infrastructure and the legalities. And I think, I think mm-hmm. the topics that would cover what happens in Toronto is applicable to a lot of big cities around the world. And um, I think it'll be really cool. And it was great to, to have the chance to meet these people at your event. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They, they're awesome to work with. Um, and as you experience like the aid stations and the volunteers that, weren't even at the aid stations, but that ran registration and mm-hmm. everything else in the event. You know, we've been lucky to have such a yeah. great group of people to support support the event. Actually, so I'm totally not done. Let's talk about the aid stations. Um, it did feel to me like there was a battle of the aid stations going on, everybody trying to outdo each other. Um, there was clearly no, it, it, was, it wasn't a friendly fight, that was for sure. Um, tell us more about it. <laughs> uh, I love that you caught that vibe of it being a, a battle because uh, – you know, we had a couple of questions, you know, like you should advertise what's on the, the aid stations. And, and, you know, we had a couple of people suggest, suggest that. But the funny thing is all those aid stations, like they were like top secret, did not want to yeah. release what they yeah. were working on because they w- didn't want the other aid station to learn and figure that out and, and steal their, their ideas. So, yeah, there's some crazy competition yes. going on between them. And what were some of the things? So, like, I'm, I'm going to miss some for sure. But aid station one had grilled cheese sandwiches. I, I believe that was aid station one. I'd hate for it to be two because if I'm wrong, but I think it was one. And I think they had the Caesars as well, right? 
Aid Station 2 had Caesars. Aid Station 2 had the Caesars. My apologies. Yeah. Um, what else did we have? Pierogies was Aid Station 4. Four yeah. And they also had um, pancakes with whipped cream. I had one of those. That was epic. Uh, <laughs> while she pumped up my tire, she's like, how about I pump it? You eat some food. And I was like, oh, my God. You guys are awesome. <laughs> um, Aid Station 3 had a guy in a costume. That was funny as hell. And um, And I forget what food they had. They had, um, we, we, we nicknamed it the corner store because <laughs> they had like all of the ideas of like all the snacks. They had oh, like yeah, pineapple yeah. and melon. Oh, they had like cinnamon, those little, yeah. little cinnamon rolls or yeah. fudge, yeah. The, the brownies. Um, yeah. yeah, they had everything. Yeah. And it's funny because when they're planning all of this, we, we know a little bit because we give them all, like they all get pickles. They all get heed, like the electrolytes from yeah. Hammer Nutrition. They all get water. And bananas, just so that everybody at least has kind of the, the basics. Yeah. But beyond that, Mark and I actually don't know what they're planning unless they need us for something. And so we didn't know about like the Caesars and the grilled cheese. And so, until people started coming back and they were finishing their lap and they were like, oh, I stopped and I had this. And we were like, oh, great. Okay. I'm glad you enjoyed it because we didn't know <laughs> what was on course. Um, so it's great to have that feedback because, I mean, like we said, like they're friends and family, right? Like they're, they're yeah. either very close friends of ours or they're related to us and they've just like taken it and, and really made it their own. And they've really like, um, yeah, it's just, it. I think it means a lot to us, right. That they are really trying so hard to make it enjoyable for everybody. And they're not just like, Oh, well, here's a pickle. Like they're, they're they, competing with each yeah, other. They, they joke that their goal is to try and get riders off their bikes. <laughs> Because everyone just goes by them, right? And it's like, yeah. oh, if you can get someone to stop and take a breather and eat some food, then they know they're helping them, you yeah, know, reach their yeah. goals and not going to bonk or run out of energy or anything like that. So mm-hmm. that's funny. Yeah, it was. Um, I was good for the first three laps, but then that lap, I started bonking. Uh, I was getting tired. That's when I I made my first stop, and then laps five and six, I I just stopped more because I was like, I've got time. I'm keeping an eye on the clock. Yeah. Did yeah. you have a Did you have a Caesar? No, you know, I'm not a big fan of Caesars, even yeah. with or without alcohol. So I'm just, Mott's is yeah. not my thing. So do you have many American listeners? Do we need to explain what a Caesar is? Let's explain what a listener, a Caesar is. Yeah, not a listener. We know what that is. Um, let's explain. <laughs> it's a, a Bloody Mary. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but with Mott's Clamato instead of yeah. tomato juice, essentially. Yeah. 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 yeah it's it's clam juice and celery salt and, and a pickle. And a pickle. Yeah. And without the alcohol. So that's. Yes. The other reason there's no what's a point. No, <laughs> <laughs> you're not the only one to say that. Actually, I heard of somebody taking it, just like licking off all the salt and just putting it back, like throwing, dumping the clam. Because uh, they're like, I don't like clam juice, but I wanted the salt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's funny because the aid station started more as a necessity because there is hardly any cell service. Well, there's really no cell service out on course, which is mm-hmm. why we've got our satellite radios and every, or our, our repeater radios. But, um, we needed them every five kilometers or so just so that we could make sure that we had contact with somebody. And so the first year it was just a table and chairs and somebody with a tent and some extra water. And then from there, I mean, they're out for at least nine hours. They're out on course, if not 10, because they've got to go out early and they come back once the race is done. So they spend all day out there. And then because they've come year after year, everybody's now bringing like a heated blanket and, like YouTube videos that are downloaded and they brought massage guns, a massage gun. And like, they've made it so that there's, I I expected 
within the next year or two, there'll be one of the one of the stations. I'll have a massage table, and there'll be like quick five minute massages. <laughs> Who knows? It could take that as a hint, guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll get our volunteers to listen to this, and yeah. they want a massage table. Yeah, yeah, and oh, what else did they have? At one of the stations was um, vegetable broth, which was great. It was oh, just yeah. yeah, it was warm vegetable broth. It was just like instant load full of salts and stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Overall, fantastic guys. And um, yeah, anything else you want to add that I kind of missed out on or you want to share? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you'll put all the links in, in this, sure. uh, Chris, but yeah, the website's Hurton, Hurton in Halliburton, uh, dot com. Instagram's Hurton in Halliburton. Facebook's Hurton in Halliburton. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, join the, the email list if you want to get uh, heads up on when registration opens. We're going to open it up as we talked about in November sometime. Um, we are kind of toying with something this spring, so stay tuned for that. If, oh, um, cool. If we, we do end up making that happen. Anything else I missed, Heather? Yeah, no. Um, if you raced this year, just keep checking back on the website because as we get more and more photos, Mark's been good about yeah. updating them. So, um, again, we have amazing volunteers who take it upon themselves to get good pictures for free for all of our participants. So just keep checking on there because there might be more uploaded and you might get a really good shot of yourself riding. Um, yeah. I haven't even got my pictures yet. Cause I, um, I was on my phone when I looked through them and I was like, it's a pain on the phone to download them. I don't know why it wouldn't let me for some reason or I was doing something wrong. So I was like, I'll go on my computer at some point, but yeah, yeah. maybe, yeah. maybe this weekend. There's quite a few. So There's you'll, a lot. You'll have to go through a lot. <laughs> There's uh, a lot. I mean, yeah, you're sp- yeah, spending a while flipping through. Uh, downside <laughs> of them being free is you kind of have to go through <laughs> yeah. <it>. but hey <laughs> yeah. yeah all right guys well thank you so much i will add all the links and um i hope you guys have a uh, fantastic thanksgiving excellent as well. well thanks for having us on chris thanks you don't have to hang up but i will end the recording bye-bye hey everyone i hope you enjoyed that episode with mark and heather talking about the hurton and halliburton eight-hour cycling event that they put together, as well as just general other things about their lives and their cycling journey and experience and and uh, just sharing their passion. So I hope you enjoyed that. I did. And it was great to uh, to have a little FaceTime with uh, with some people again. It's, uh, it's really fun to podcast and get to see people. And, you know, even though it's over video, it feels like we're kind of right there. You know, I think we've all gotten a little used to the... Um, digital meetings, virtual meetings. And so, yeah, it's really nice. Anyways, um, I hope you enjoyed it. And without any further ado, that is the end of the show. I want to end the show by thanking all my listeners once again for the emails and comments I regularly receive from you. It really helps motivate me to keep going with this project and to continue sharing people's amazing stories. If you have comments or questions, you can email me at chris at biketoadventures.com or go to the website biketoadventures.com and shoot me a message through the contact form. You can also check out the webpage for past podcast episodes, blog posts, videos, and the Touring Tips page. Lastly, I'd like to once again thank all the individuals and companies that are supporting the podcast. If you're enjoying the show and like what I'm doing, you can become one of my show supporters by going to patreon.com slash biketoadventures. And for just a few dollars a month, you can help keep this show going. You can also help out by sending a one-time donation through PayPal. This money all goes back into the podcast, helping me to cover the costs associated with running the show, buy new equipment when necessary, and continue to produce the high-quality content that you've become accustomed to. Much appreciated, and keep on pedaling.
I want to end the show by thanking all my listeners once again for the emails and comments I regularly receive from you. It really helps motivate me and keep me going with this project and to continue sharing people's amazing stories. If you have questions or comments, you can email me at bike at bikepackadventures.ca or go to bikepackadventures.ca and shoot me a message through the contact form. You can also check out the webpage for past podcast episodes, bikepacking routes throughout Canada, blog posts, videos, and touring tips. Lastly, I'd like to once again thank all the individuals and companies that are supporting the podcast. If you are enjoying the show and like what I'm doing, you can become one of my show supporters by going to patreon.com slash bikepackadventures. And for just a few dollars a month, you can help keep this show going. You can also help out by sending a one-time donation through PayPal. This money all goes back into the podcast, help me to cover the costs associated with running the show, buy new equipment when necessary, and produce the high-quality content that you've become accustomed to. Much appreciated, and keep on pedaling. <laughs>